0: The authenticity of the app.
1: You're listening to the news on RTHK. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3.
2: Money talk. Good morning, it's 8.03 in Hong Kong at the end of the week. Friday the 28th of January, welcome to Money Talk on Radio 3. This is Peter Lewis. The U.S. economy grew at its fastest pace in 38 years in 2021. The economy grew by 5.7%, its best performance since 1984. The previous year, GDP contracted by 3.4% as the global pandemic struck. Output remained robust in the final quarter of 2021 when it grew at an annual rate of 6.9% surging past economists' forecasts of 5.5%. China's state planner, the National Development and Reform Commission, yesterday announced seven key measures to deepen the integration of Shenzhen, Hong Kong and Macau into the Greater Bay Area. The measures include further cross-border development in sectors such as insurance, healthcare, tourism and aviation. Key proposals include an Insurance Connect scheme and a plan to develop several yuan-denominated data trading exchange marketplaces to allow the trading of financial, medical and healthcare data across the Greater Bay Area. Taiwan's economy expanded 6.3% in 2021 on the back of strong exports. The figures a substantial increase from the 3.1% growth seen the prior year and the fastest annual growth since 2010 when the economy rebounded following the global financial crisis. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Andrew Ferris from UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management and the Shah, Asia Chief Economist at BBVA. With a view from India is Toby Lawson, CEO of Societe Generale India.
1: Money Talk Wall
2: Street's U.S. stocks ended the day lower as a week of volatile trading continued. The S&P 500 index erased a rally of almost two percent to close with losses of half a percent at 4,326. The Dow slipped just seven points to end the session almost unchanged at 34,161, having been up more than 600 points at the highs of the day. The Nasdaq Composite Index dropped 1.4% to 13,352. Tesla tumbled almost 12% after the electric car maker pushed back introductions of new models because of supply chain challenges. After the closing bell, Apple reported its best quarter of revenues ever. Sales rose 11% to 123.9 billion US dollars despite supply chain concerns. Apple beat analysts' estimates for sales in every product category except iPads. Shares of Apple rose over 4% in after hours trading. In Europe, the Stock 600 index added 0.6%. The UK's FTSE 100 climbed 1.1% and the volatility continued in Asia yesterday, with the major stock indices tumbling. South Korea's Cosby was the worst hit, slumping 3.5% into a bear market, down more than 20% from last July. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng dived 483 points, or 2%, to 23,807, the biggest fall in two months. The Hang Seng tech index plunged 3.8%, dragged lower by Alibaba, which plummeted 7.2% to a new all-time low. On the mainland, the CSI 300 index of the largest companies listed in Shanghai and Shenzhen fell 2% into a bear market, down more than 20% from last year's high. And today is the last day of trading in mainland China until the 7th of February as markets close for the Lunar New Year holiday. Hong Kong southbound connect flows, and Taiwan markets are also closed until February the 7th. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is trading at $88.84 a barrel. Gold has slipped below $1,800 to $1,798 an ounce. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield, that slipped 7 basis points to 1.80%. And the U.S. dollar rose half a percent against a basket of currencies to its highest level in nearly 18 months. The euro this morning trading at $1.11.5 cents. The bucks at 115.3 Japanese yen. The British pound buys just $1.34 and 10 Hong Kong dollars and 43 cents. In offshore markets this morning, the Chinese yuan is trading around 6.37 versus the dollar. And Bitcoin is holding just above thirty-six thousand uh, dollars. In Asian stock markets this morning, um, a bit of a rally going on down in Australia. The S X two hundred is up a quarter of percent. Futures markets indicating a gain for about a hun- of about one hundred and fifty points for the Hang Seng at the open later on this morning. <laughs> It's eight or eight and a half. Let's welcome our guests. We have with us Andrew Ferris, Chief Strategist at UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management. Welcome back, Andrew. And also with us is LaShar, Asia Chief Economist at BBVA Research. Welcome, uh, Shark
0: morning peter
2: um let's start in the uk and the economy there uh sorry the us the economy there grew at its fastest pace in 38 years last year official figures from the commerce department showed the economy grew by 5.7 percent its best performance since 1984. And that compares to a contraction of 3.4 uh, percent the previous year, when it grew at a better-than-expected rate of 6.9 percent. Earlier this week, the World Bank did predict economic growth in the U.S. would slow to 3.7 percent this year. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm wondering if the economy is actually as strong as those headline figures suggest. Because underneath, maybe uh, not quite as good. But what do you think?
3: May I start on my lovely cheery? M- oh no! First thing on Friday. <laughs> what? Well, Come on, Peter. 5.7% from a minus 3.4%. That's a low base increase. So this business, that it is the fastest growth in the total universe in the last 5,000 <laughs> years. You have to take it with a pinch of salt. That's,
2: that's why I ask, is it as good as maybe the headline no, of number it is suggests? Not.
3: Okay. Uh, of course it is up because it's shrunk the year before that. Uh, this is completely incorrect what I'm going to say. It is completely incorrect because if you take three, minus 3.4%, 3. it needed to grow by 3.4% to make up. Okay, which means that its growth really for 21 is about two percent. That's not correct. Okay, but sort of back of an envelope incorrect calculation. So you know, no, no, I'm not cheering. Sorry. Well, I mean, one of the things that was a
2: bit worrying about it was a lot of that came from inventories. They grew almost five percent. Normally, what we see is when inventories grow and add to GDP, eventually they come off and then subtract to it from it later on. Yeah,
3: thank you. Carry on, adding. I think I, sh- I had I had my cheery, cheery comment for first thing on Friday.
2: I, I thought I'd follow the gloom. Shalk,
3: yeah. what do you think? Are you
2: feeling a bit more cheerful about this than Andrew is?
0: I, I think uh, I fully agree with Andrew on the point that uh, this uh, rebound definitely, they, they need to be quick, right? Mm. Uh, but um, uh, looking ahead, because I think that the economy... we will have retest this year and next year. Last year, we have seen the United States growth uh, quite dependent on these uh, fiscal Mm stimulus. Okay, and also this uh, very loosening monetary policy. But this year, they start to uh, tighten their monetary policy. On the fiscal side, I don't know why uh, President Biden, he still have a political capacity to have more stimulus or not. But definitely on the monetary side, they are going to tighten this uh, monetary policy and that that will be a test for Mm. the uh, resilience of the US economy. Of course, I agree with uh, uh, many uh, research institutes this year, they they expect to the US economy can continue their good performance because uh, last year they performed very good and uh, this is kind of the inertial, right? Uh, But I like to say, through the course of this monetary tightening maybe we can see some negative surprise from either this financial market or from this growth
2: it's going to be two key things isn't there for the u.s economy one is omicron um and and what happens as a result of that and also whether or not the big unknown will there be other variants later on but i suppose the other thing is um the the consumer the situation's changing isn't it for the consumer because Last year, he was given a lot of money, thanks to the government uh, and, and the Fed, and they've drawn down now a lot of that excess savings, so they don't have the same amount of money to, to spend. So that presumably is going to affect demand and consumer spending over the course of this year.
0: Yeah, agree. I think the, definitely that's one concern. But at the same time, I like to say, uh, if you look at the unemployment rate, I think they will continue to de- decline. Right. And maybe the people, they will become more active participant in this job market. And that means uh, people can 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 have more money when they work. And they that can support their consumptions, yeah, so uh, although, as you said, well, last year they draw down a lot of the savings, but this year they cannot have that much saving. they cannot have that uh, much uh, support from the government, uh, but still I, I expect that the consumer that the total size of the consumer can uh, continue to expand to support the growth, but the one interesting issue is uh, whether they are going to shift back from this uh, uh Goose consumption to service. That's a very interesting topic to explore. Taking from what
3: LCI is pointing out is, of course, that the the chances of Powell hitting in, as he says, coming off with full blast uh, with a 50 basis points increase, I reckon it's highly unlikely because he's not the only one that is saying, is it going to be as good as we think it's going to be during uh, 22? Or if mm-hmm. we overdo it, uh, then we're going to be blamed not only that we were behind the curve, but we overdid it and we are well ahead of the curve. Because I stay deeply pessimistic about uh, how the COVID is going to hit us in a different way this year around. And look what's happening in China. Uh, you know, it is, it is really going to affect... GDP growth, because at least the Chinese have got a a policy that it will auto distract in inverted commas. In other words, they will carry on uh, uh, closing down and uh, locking down as it is because they have decided that uh, zero tolerance is is the way to go. Hong Kong, of course, has to follow. And we already are having we're going to have some numbers today. But I reckon the the outlook for the first quarter of this year has to be grim because Mm. of the lockdown. Mm. And that is completely COVID. It has nothing to do with uh, with with cyclical issues. And uh, also, it's re- what is going to be very interesting to see how the UK is going to follow it up, because UK it's a unique structured experiment for the rest of the world. Uh, I think by the 16th of uh, February, not quite sure. All restraints, all tests, everything goes out of the window. Now, because UK is back to the year 18. By then
2: by then nearly everyone in the uk will have had covid as well, well
3: exactly <laughs> but uh, it may very well work okay herd immunity i don't like to call the poor british as a herd okay but uh, never mind there you go well you
2: mentioned hong kong let me ask you a bit about hong kong because we've got the gdp figures coming out uh, later today um it, the economy grew 5.4 percent year on year in the third quarter um people are expecting it to decline slightly uh from that rate uh paul chan is forecasting that hong kong's gdp grew 6.4 percent for 2021 but really all of that is irrelevant isn't it what really counts now is this quarter um and the impact of uh omicron spreading um across the territory what is, what is your um outlook
0: yeah i think if you look at this uh, uh Q4 data last year I think that it should perform very good right? Uh, so um, that means uh, last year the Hong Kong they can manage to have a growth rate like a 6.4% I'm not going to surprise to, to see such figure but uh, if you look at the beginning of this year I think, yeah, if these Omicron things continue, I'm afraid maybe we will have a negative figure <laughs> in the first quarter of this year. So now, uh, regarding to these Omicron issues, uh, now I think we are under a very difficult time, and these things could last uh, for a couple of months, yeah.
3: Uh, numbers for example on arrivals remember arrivals are not necessarily tourist arrivals these arrivals full stop Mm. they're sort of down 85% uh, on the year okay for last year compared to the years before that and of course tourism which nearly 70% of all this is Chinese, is tourism from China, bye-bye has gone completely through out of the window. Let's not forget, uh, Chinese visiting, sorry, Hong Kong Chinese people visiting China need to do a 14 year quarantine. 14 year, I do beg your pardon. It feels like it. <laughs> it feels like it, it's 14 days quarantine. In other words, it hasn't gone away at all. Tourism as far as Hong Kong is concerned, it's, it's completely dead. And I mean, do you think the reduction of the quarantine
2: period from high-risk countries from 21 days to 14 days, is that going to make a difference? Is it going to help appease the Chambers of Commerce and the business, uh, some of the business leaders and organizations who have been calling uh, for a big change?
3: You see Peter, being being a guaylo I have to be now racist in the reverse to say, yeah, for us Guaylos, is, it's not great news actually, because it's 21 days, the difference is it's 14 days at the hotel and the other seven days at home. Well, Thank you. Still, I'm 21 days from from my desk. Okay, but uh, the real biting thing. Is when I look around at all my fellow Hong Kongers that have been living here for 37 years, okay, can even say badly in Cantonese, okay, I'm Hong Kong in a way. These poor guys, they can't go to China where they've got all their businesses and all their relatives. So all this, you know, it could be relieving the Guaylo, but definitely not, and not relieving the locals. So I'm afraid I'm taking Lam's uh, uh, liberalization or lifting up of constraints with a huge pinch of salt, okay.
0: I think they are trying to send some signals to all the foreigners to say, OK, we, we can improve if you are not satisfied with this uh, three weeks quarantine. We can reduce that one. We're always uh, uh, friendly to these uh, international travelers or uh, something like that. But in fact, uh, I'm afraid that business communities and people, they, what they can get from this reduction is quite limited. Mm. Yeah, that's my feeling.
2: There's, there's a, a, a report, supposedly a draft report that's been seen by Bloomberg from the European Chamber of Commerce in the city, which predicts that the interna- our international isolation could last until 2024. And we're going to see a historic exodus of international workers and executives from the, uh, the territory. Do you think that's a risk?
0: I think that would be a risk scenario until 2024. Uh, I'm more optimistic than that one. So of course it depends on the various. (laughs) We don't know too much Mm. about this one. But the thing is if everything uh, goes okay, I think maybe China, they will consider to relax their restrictions after these Olympics. But of course, it will take some time to implement this one. First of all, I think that they need to find the more effective vaccine for their people. Mm-hmm. And then they need to have a right plan to implement that one. And they also need to, uh, how how can I say, they they, they, they need to uh, change their propaganda. <laughs> okay, But so, so far, as far as I know, that the Chinese propaganda, they are against this uh, Omicron. So people still have a uh, great fear for this uh, Omicron in China. So if they want, really want to open the economy, open the country to the rest of the world, they need to convince people this uh, Omicron or other new virus is not that serious, especially uh, when people have protection of these uh, effective vaccines.
3: Yeah, yeah uh, I'm, I'm, I'm less optimistic than uh, Lucia here uh, for two reasons. One is, of course, there are two very important dates. One is the end of the Olympics. Forget the end of the Olympics at the end of uh, February. We have People's Congress opening up in uh, the annual event in, in March. And then, of course, we have the Party Congress okay, in November. And uh, I don't think... They will long to have bad news or explosively bad news in either of those two dates. So I suspect they might simply knock her down, hunker down and uh, not do anything significant as far as their capacity to lock down when and if this is necessary. From my point of view, I'm, uh, you know, I've gone away from China. I've seen, OK, it's going to stay locked down to the end of the year. If we're likely to
2: see Hong Kong's economy contract this quarter and potentially then slip into recession uh, this year, what should the government do? Do we need more consumption vouchers? Do we need
3: handouts for certain sectors? What do you want to see them do? Uh, you know, sorry, but I'll, I'll continue very, very quickly. Uh, there is there are there are effectively two crude solutions. Uh, one. Is, is with the agreement of the mainland government there's going to be a trade-off. In other words, namely, Hong Kong will lift partially uh, its its uh, its uh, its, uh, its uh, restrictions on the frontiers. The price pain is, of course, that the restrictions with China stay. So, in other words, the flow with the rest of the world improves, but the flow with the China stays absolutely next to zero because mm. the Chinese will not want importation of cases out of uh, Hong Kong as Hong Kong is lifting its frontiers. The other part, the Hong Kong government will say, sorry, we stay with uh, with Motherland and uh, same as it is and uh, the price is yeah, we're going to have a shrinkage or a, quite a significant shrinkage uh, because it will look as if that this is going to go forever. Okay, it went very badly during the year 2021 was, you know, really the bad year now 22 is the recovery and the answer is, is no it isn't. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that for Hong Kong, the number one priority is uh, they need to reassess the situation and make the decision. And after you make the decision, I like to ask the Hong Kong government to stick to that one to push all the necessary measures to make it happen. What I mean is, uh, now it seems this Omicron is milder than the previous one, so whether we will continue to prioritize our opening with China, mainland first, okay? They need to reassess that one. Of course, if they decide we need to prioritize this uh, uh, opening uh, our economy to mainland China first, and then you need to take all the necessary measures to make it happen. I think that's a number one priority. Then we can consider whether we will use a more consumer voucher. We can uh, directly hand out the money to people. Uh, I think the last year it improved. Uh, it proved that these uh, uh, culture things maybe. N- at least I think that they, they they have some some effect. Maybe they will do that again. Yeah.
2: Okay, thank you. Have a great weekend. You heard there Lashar, Asia Chief Economist at BBVA, Andrew Ferris, Chief Strategist at UKEP Hong Kong Asset Management.
0: You're listening to money talk on RTHK Radio 3.
2: It's 8.23 and a half. Let's go over to Mumbai, India and speak with Toby Lawson, the CEO of Society General India. Morning, Toby. Good
1: morning.
2: Um, We've had quite an extraordinary week, haven't we, in in the markets in terms of volatility. In in the US, Monday and Tuesday, uh, we saw stocks drop quite substantially and then rebound and recover all the losses. The last couple of days, it's been the opposite. Stocks have gone up sharply and then lost all their gains. I think you've also been seeing a pretty volatile week for Indian stocks as well, haven't you, over there? Yeah, I
4: think this is the market adapting to the new normal of higher interest rates, uh, over the course of the year. They to impacts on these impact things and uh, on the individual stock. that to be reflected in prices. Add to that the uncertainty on the geopolitical side. and the thing that it is going to look is uh, change in Jamaica. Uh, and uh, of course this adaptation is going to to keep volatility for a little bit. Better.
2: Toby we've got a really bad line and you and you're breaking up very badly. I think what we're going to have to do is try and call you back and see if we can get you on a on a better line. So so we'll call you straight back. We'll be with uh, back with Toby Lawson in uh, in just one in just one moment. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3 and we're and what we will do is I'll give you a quick update on the markets while we wait uh, to get Toby back. Uh, over in uh, Australia, first of all, the ASX 200 is currently up about a quarter of a cent. Uh, the S&P futures are moving up uh, quite substantially as well in Asian trading, which is helping uh, drag Asian markets higher. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to open with gains of about uh, 150 points or so in uh, just over an hour. In the commodities markets, Green crude oil right now trading at eighty eight dollars eighty four cents a barrel and uh, gold also uh, slipping a little bit from where it was in uh, in New York trading currently trading at one thousand seven hundred and ninety six dollars an ounce. We'll try and get Toby Dawson back very shortly. Well, this is Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. We're still trying to get back uh, Toby Lawson. Sorry about the quality of the line there. It was very difficult uh, to hear. Let me give you an update on a couple of other news items. Uh, The European Central Bank has warned European banks with significant Russian exposure to ready themselves for the imposition of international sanctions against Moscow if it invades Ukraine. ECB officials have asked for details of how the banks would handle different scenarios such as a move to block Russian banks from accessing the SWIFT International payments System, the Bank for International Settlements, estimates international banks have about $121 billion in assets owed to them by Russian-based uh, entities. So let's go back to Mumbai, India, and hopefully uh, we have Toby Lawson back on a better line this time. Are you there, Toby?
4: Peter, is that a better line? That's for
2: you? much better. Can hear you now. You were breaking up very badly before. Let, let's go back, first of all, to the volatility in the markets. Um, what, what's behind this extraordinary volatility, not just in the US, but uh, in many places around the world at the moment?
4: Yeah, I'm not sure you caught me in the earlier bit uh, with the line, but essentially, it's all about the velocity of change. Uh, markets don't like change um, at any time in a particular hurry, but when it, when it happens, um, Uh, uh, abruptly, and you're in a position of effectively trying to adapt to a new normal, which is higher interest rates, Uh, that level of volatility just increases. And, of course, it feeds on itself. And uh, right now we're in the middle of of this transition period as as investors start to adapt to a new normal, Uh, with the Fed confirming during the week that they're going to raise interest rates beginning in March. Uh, This is consistent across the globe. And now the question becomes, can they control it? And can they throttle this interest rate uh, increase at the same time of not uh, forcing the economy to to slow down too aggressively. That's why the market is now starting to try and adapt to that.
2: Do you think the Fed gave us any clear idea at all about what happens after March? Clearly, uh, Jerome Powell indicated uh, that there was going to be a rate hike in March, but he also didn't deny that there could be one at every meeting now between now and the end of the year. Do you think that's added to the uncertainty?
4: I think what he's trying to do is try to assure the market that the Fed will remain nimble. Uh, as you know, we had the taper tantrum way back in 13, and the market, uh, you know, the, the Fed had to sort of change its way and, and, and calm the markets. What he's trying to do is to, to signal to the, um, to the economy and signal to the market that the economy is in good shape. And you saw the GDP figure last night was much stronger than expected. He said the market can absorb higher interest rates. Now, the question is... Can those interest rates um, do enough to curb the level of persistent inflation we're seeing? That's why he needs to probably be a little bit more flexible. But I feel the Fed want to drive the economy into a higher interest rate environment without without, uh, stalling it. And that's the real challenge for central banks. They haven't been able to do it historically. So this is why the market's nervous.
2: And how much do you think the uh, crisis in Ukraine is, uh, is affecting markets? We had the ECB warn European banks this week with significant Russian exposure to ready themselves for the imposition of international sanctions. Um, what's the impact of that going to be?
4: Well, it adds another uh, variable which is difficult to assess. Uh, clearly, you see the impact on energy prices because of supply uh, issues that could be caused by a conflict in the Ukraine, but more importantly, it's really just that tension uh, and the unknown. What could happen, what uh, you know when military uh, action uh, starts, it's hard to determine how it's going to end. Uh, so all of those things have add to the additional volatility that investors are now dealing with. So it's certainly not a positive, that's for sure. But we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. And that in, in and of itself creates that uncertainty in the market.
2: We've seen investors react to all of this by switching out of high price growth stocks uh, into value plays. Do you think that's going to continue?
4: I think that's been, the, that's been the theme for probably the last uh, three to four months. I don't think it's a new one, but I think it probably accelerates some of that rotation. We've already been seeing rotation out of growth into value, and I suspect that'll continue. It's probably accelerated a little bit, and you're probably not seeing a lot. You're just seeing um, right now because you're just seeing volatility across the whole matrix. So, But yes, that rotation's been happening, and it'll continue.
2: Toby, thanks very much indeed. Have a great weekend. Talk to you again very soon. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Just give you that final update again uh, on the markets, the uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan uh, currently up about two-thirds of 1%. Uh, the Cosby, though, is down slightly, down about half a percent. Uh, futures markets indicating a gain of 150 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning thank you very much for listening this week have a great weekend i'll be back on monday morning at eight o'clock that'll be the final money talk before the chinese new year holidays back chats coming up after the news with andrew work and james ockenden this morning uh the weather forecast uh for today it's going to be mainly cloudy misty at first sunny intervals in the afternoon maximum temperature around 21 degrees and then temperatures are going to fall appreciably tomorrow night it's 18 degrees right now 93 percent relative humidity
1: Here's Andrew Shrosky with the half-hour news. A representative of local businesses has welcomed the reduction in quarantine for overseas arrivals from 21 to 14 days, which takes effect from Saturday next week. But George Cotherley, who's the vice pre- a chairman of the International Chamber of Commerce, says two weeks is still too long to encourage inbound business travellers. He told RTHK that the government needed to come up with a roadmap to quarantine-free arrivals. It will
4: help the local business community do
0: outbound business travel, because it's then not quite so onerous coming back. But I don't think it will help the international community consider inbound business travel to Hong Kong. I think they'd have to eliminate it. Most places in the world have eliminated
1: quarantine. So we're uncompetitive in that respect. Meanwhile, the government says a new updated version of its Leave Home Safe app will make it easier for people to prove their COVID inoculation status in order to gain admission to premises covered by the vaccine pass. Natalie Ching explains.
0: After scanning into a venue, the app will automatically display a blue QR code of the user's electronic vaccination record or an exemption certificate issued by a doctor. If the user has neither of these things, the display will be red. Another change to the updated app was see a timer on the display once the user has scanned a venue's QR code. The government said not only does the upgrade allow easy checking of a user's duration of stay, it also prevents anyone from using screenshots to enter a venue and thereby helps venue operators to verify the authenticity of the app. The statement urged people to update Leap Home Save via the relevant app store and not to delete or reinstall it. This way, the previous visit records will be retained.
1: Residents of Yat House at the Kwai Chung Estate are able to leave their housing block this morning after an extended five-day lockdown came to an end. Over the five days, more than 14,800 tests were carried out and 139 confirmed cases were found. And a lockdown at the, at the An building in Kuntong has been lifted after about 300 people were tested and no positive cases were found. Anybody who can show proof of having been tested is now able to leave the building. Overseas, the United States has urged China to use its influence with Moscow to discourage any Russian invasion of Ukraine. A U.S. State Department official, Victoria Newland said if there was a conflict in Ukraine, it wouldn't be good for China either. She said Western countries stood side by side in their approach to the crisis.
3: As the president said earlier this week, we are unified. Unified in our preference for diplomacy, but we are also unified in our resolve that if Moscow rejects our offer of dialogue, the costs must be swift and severe.
1: You've been listening to the news on RTHK. Arch-